0: Genesis chapter 14, we're, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 14. Woo, was Kate preaching or what? Amen. Man, I was, that was some good preaching, that was anointed. And uh, I know, I was like, man, we could pack up right now and go home, man, that fed me. I'm good to go. I think I got saved twice during that poem. It was so, that powerful. Genesis chapter 14, starting with verse 12, they also took Lot. Abram's brother's son who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. Then when one had escaped, then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eskel and brother of Aner and they were allies with Abram. They were allies with Abram. This is the first time in the Bible that you actually find the word Hebrew. Uh, up until then, that word had never been used to describe anyone in the Bible. And yet this passage is the first time you see the word Hebrew. The word Hebrew at its core actually means from beyond. If you look up what Hebrew means in Hebrew, that makes sense? It actually means from beyond. So that's really where uh, we're getting the title from today. We're borrowing from Harry Houdini, but the man from beyond, the man from beyond. So let's put some things in context. Context is always very important, especially when you get into scripture. Uh, you don't want to just pull scripture out of anywhere and make it mean whatever you want it to mean. You need to study it in context. It's very important. If I were to say the fray, if y'all were listening to me after church and I say, I beat my wife every week, you guys would start you know, having a little council time with Pastor Dave, right? But if I say at checkers, ah, well, that's a whole different story, right? (laughs) You know, context, context is everything. So let's just kind of back up, see what's taking place here before this word Hebrew is mentioned. Uh, uh, Lot was Abram's nephew and he had left with Abram and Sarai, Sarai, prior to, uh, to them being named Abraham and Sarah by God. But he left with them from Ur of the Chaldeans and went on this journey of faith with Abram. And the Bible said that Lot prospered just like Abram did. And he wound up with lots of sheep and lots of servants and lots of livestock. And when they were camping at Bethel, uh, the Bible says that uh, Abram's men and Lot's men began to quarrel because their, their flocks were just too big. And they were having to fight for uh, pasture land. They were having to fight for food and water for their flocks. So Abram got with Lot and said, hey, look, let's, you know, we're family. We, we don't need the business to interfere with our love for one another. So I tell you what, you, you go one direction and I'll go the other direction. And you get to choose, choose where you want to go settle your guys. And the Bible says that he chose uh, the Jordan River Valley, because he said it said it was lush, there was plenty of water, uh, said it looked like the Garden of Eden, it was so beautiful. So that's the direction he went. Abram went the other way. Now the cool thing about this, just a little side note, extra sub-sermon here, the, When if, if you go back and read that account, once Lot left, the next thing that happened is God expounded more on his covenant promise with Abram. He actually gave him Uh, A much more detailed layout of his intentions for Abram. Although he had already spoken the first part of his covenant to Abram and his promises, the word lot, the name lot actually means veil. So when Abram was willing to let go of the veil, the mask, and we all wear masks, don't we? We all kind of put on our, our, our best look. But when he removed the veil and he was transparent to God, then God gave him more of the layout of uh, his will and his desire and his purpose for Abram. So some of you today may want to go ahead and remove the veil and just be real with God. Amen. That's just a little side note. That was free. I'm not going to charge you any extra for that one. But the Bible says that Lot pitched his tents towards Sodom. Now, not having anything like the the city of Sodom over in the land of uh, Ur of the Chaldeans, I'm sure it was quite... Uh, quite attractive to him who knows maybe the first time into town he was quite an eye-opener they, they go to market to pick up some groceries and to do some trading and he may have to cover his daughter's eyes a little bit and just whoo, with all the craziness and, and just the sin that was taking place in Sodom just this, this lifestyle but over time gradually and probably imperceptibly the culture was normalized for Lot in his family. And that's really what the enemy does. He has to, if he wants to, if he wants to get perversion and a mockery of God's word to be pervasive in society, he has to normalize it for folks to accept things. That's why uh, we, we constantly are bombarded with stuff on television and movies uh, there's, there's always an, an agenda that seems to be pushed, and it seems like once one thing is accepted in society, now the next thing starts getting pushed, pushed, pushed. The, that's what the enemy has to do. He has to normalize it, so that folks will accept it a little bit more. You know, what used to be quite offensive to the people of God back in the 1950s is quite acceptable now. What used to be offensive to the people of God in the 1980s tends to be acceptable now. Because there is just a weathering that seems to take place within the world. And when believers begin to let their guard down and just accept certain things and and move away from the word of God. And this is what was taking place with Lot in the city of Sodom. Gradually and probably imperceptibly, the culture was normalized. Eventually, they just drifted into that culture. And that's kind of what happens, right? Nobody just leaves the kingdom of God overnight. You don't have someone who's truly on fire for God, truly involved in the kingdom, truly trusting God, just wake up one day and say, I'm out. Usually it's a gradual weathering. It's a a gradual flirtation with things of the world, other mindsets, other other thought processes other uh, uh, philosophies and it'll start eroding nobody, families just don't fall apart overnight it may seem like it but it's someone started eroding at some point right people just don't lose their minds overnight it's a gradual erosion that's the danger that we have to be cautious of in the kingdom of God, if you're a believer. Amen? Matter of fact, Lot moved his tent closer and closer to Sodom. We know this because at one point, he's nomadic. He's in a tent. He has flocks. Eventually, we see him in the story, he owns a house in Sodom. So he goes from just... Hanging out with Sodom, probably because of convenience. It's a little bit closer to go to the market. A little bit closer to go get supplies. A little easier for the wife to go pick up uh, uh, material and stuff for dresses. It's it's just a little bit more convenient in case of an emergency. They got maybe medical supplies or a hospital there or whatnot. It's just you know, just we'll we'll just we'll just move a couple of acres closer. We'll just do it, and then eventually he abandons this whole mobile lifestyle and he just puts his roots into Sodom. His daughters are looking to marry men from Sodom. His wife has her affection set on Sodom. We know this because when God finally yanks them out of Sodom, out of his own grace and in Abraham's intercession for him, you remember the story of his wife. What did his wife do on the way out? The angel said, leave, get out, don't even look back. What did his wife do? She turned around and became a pillar of salt. In other words, it's symbolic of a pillar of salt going to weather eventually. The rain and the and, and everything's going to weather. In other words, her 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 history, who she was, just weathered away. So symbolic of it. And so it was. It was about this time, about the time that he had settled in and become part of the culture there at Sodom, that four kings got together and raided the entire Jordan River Valley, and they took captive the city of Sodom. They took captive Lot and all of his possessions, all of his family, they are held captive, all of his men, his servants, everything he had is now the trap has been sprung and he is held captive. Now Jesus Jesus taught in John 17. He teaches us this lesson. He says that he has called us out of the world for we are in the world, he said, but we are not of the world. We're here but we're not of here. If you're a believer, if you're a part of the kingdom, there is a mindset and a lifestyle we have to have. Now, of and in, both are small little words, but they make a huge difference, right? I am in the world. That's where I live. That's where I work. That's where I occupy my time in this realm. That's why I interact with other folk. But I am not of the world. I am not of its offspring. I do not share its values. I don't share its priorities or mindsets. We're not seeking its favor. We don't conform to it. We don't love it or embrace its standards. I'm here in the world, but I'm on a journey. And if, and, if, and if folks could pardon me, I'm trying to get through. There's a passage taking place, right? Now, when I'm saying the world, I'm not talking about people. We are to love everyone that we encounter. The Bible says to, to, to work, to live peacefully, With everyone. Now, to live peacefully with everyone doesn't mean you agree with everybody. Doesn't mean that you approve of everyone. I love my children with everything in me. I don't approve of everything they say, right? I don't approve of everything they do. Now, fortunately, because they're my children, I can offer correction. But we can love everyone you meet. Everyone you meet, even if they're living in a way that does not match with the Word of God and does not match with your standard, we are still required to show love and to love them because Jesus thought they were valuable enough to die for them, no matter who they are. And the worst of them was me. But to show love and to live peacefully also doesn't mean that we accept and let go of standards and let go of what the word of God has to say about things. Because we are in the world, but we're not of the world. I, I enjoy fishing, I don't get to fish very much and I'm not really that good of a fisherman. And so when I go, uh, the, the few times I get to go, I actually, I've got a really good friend I worked with for over about 20 years. He is an avid outdoorsman. I mean, he is a, the hunter of hunters. He is the fisherman of, uh, he's, he's an angling master, right? Uh, this guy can get out on a lake and he'll see movement that I don't see and he'll say Help. oh hey there was a small school of fish that means something bigger's coming you know and, and man this guy is catching fish like crazy well sometimes we'll go out he'll, he'll rent uh, a cabin out at uh, Cedar, Cedar Creek Lake and so we'll go down there and, and uh, spend a weekend and just get out and especially during the cold months uh, we'll we'll jig for um, sand bass. They got really good sand bass. I don't know if any fishermen are here. Sand bass. I really like the, the taste. Sand bass is really good. It's a pretty mild fish, and they're fun to fun to catch, because uh, you're just dropping a line and just trying to trick them, like take it, take it, take it, and then you yank it back, and you know, it's just just really fun, fun way to fish. Uh, but if they if they're not biting, I've seen him do this because this guy's hardcore. I mean, he is like for me, it's like oh they're not biting. Hey, we got food back at the cabin. Let's just go eat, right? It's like, man, had, oh, it's a challenge, and it's hardcore. And I've seen him. He doesn't always do this, but, I, but if they're not biting, he may catch one, because, man, this guy will catch anything, and he may actually cut open a stomach to see what they're eating, to see if we need to change lures, see if we need to go from synthetic to something actually organic and drop it down in there. I'm like, man, this guy is like barbaric, but it's awesome because it's acceptable because you're fishing, right? <laughs> I don't know what it is, man. We can do all kinds of stuff to the fish. People, Peter didn't seem to like mind that, right? <laughs> but, but, uh, so one time I remember he, he got a big old sandbag and cut it open, and of all things, there was a small little perch. What even full grown yet? This this guy had eaten a perch. So there was a fish in the fish, right? So that fish was in the perch was in the sand bass. Now, had we not interrupted his digestive process and ended that, give it a few days, that perch would have been of the sand bass. It would have become the sand bass, right? If if you ate pizza last night, by this evening, that pizza is now you. We've all said that, right? You are what you eat. Well, then I'm a walking bunch of good cooking. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but, but that's the concept of it. You know, you may eat something that's not too good and within a few minutes it's back out. Well, it was in you. Now it's out of you. If it stays in you long enough, it becomes you, right? That's what happens with this permeating culture. When I say the world, I'm not talking about individuals. I'm talking about the permeating system, mindset and consciousness and overall antichrist, sinful nature of the world, where, where there's this massive push to think one way, and if you don't think this way, well, well now the current culture is to cancel you, cancel that. I've, I've had people you know, you'll be, you're going to be canceled. From what? Social media? Please, someone cancel me from social media. I love that because <laughs> that's not even real. So, but but it's, th- it's just this permeating culture of if you don't go this way, then you're wrong and you're out. And yet the word of God may say, well, we're going this way. And, and, and we're to stick to that culture. The, the problem is if we, if we stay in the world, we are in the world, but we're not of it. And so we have to be careful how much we hang within this culture, within this society, within this mindset. Because we may be in the world, but if we hang too much, we will eventually become of the world. We'll, we'll become part of the sand bass, if you will. So at this juncture, here's Lot first he was in Sodom now he has become Sodom and now he's captive he's held captive and that's really ultimately what the devil's mindset is for us if he can weather us down enough if he can get us to drop our standards if he can talk us into well you know i know the i know the bible refers to this and that but that was for back then it's not for now you know come on it's this is all you know we, we, we're, we're all here, come on, this, this, that, and everything else. Uh, eventually, he can weather to where we will be in the world and of the world, right? Now, ironically, when he's captured, where we came in at Genesis, he had been captured, and one of his men escaped. Now, keep in mind, Abram is 25 miles away from Bethel. Bethel's where Lot and Abram had parted paths. Abram is now settled in Mamre, 25 miles away, hanging out where they got a big grove of terebinth trees. And so he's got some good shade. Matter of fact, the Bible said he built an altar there. So he's there worshiping the Lord, hanging out in the shade, doing his thing. As far as the Bible is concerned, Abram never visited Sodom. We don't have any record of it. He never went down there. Maybe it was because he's like, look, I know what kind of mess is down there. I don't want me going down there. I don't want my wife getting going down there. I don't want any of my servants or their kids to see any of that mess. We're, we're just going to stay here in Mamre. I don't want to wind up like Lot. From what I hear, Lot's bottom of my house. What's that boy doing? From what I heard, his daughters are messing around with the wrong kind of guys down there. What, what are they doing? Man, his wife's going nuts. So he said, so... The people of Sodom, as far as we know what history we've been given, had never met Abram. The only thing they may know of Abram is whatever Lot has communicated to them. Man, my uncle, I'll tell you what, he is rich. He's following this God, and this God is blessing his socks off, man. He's, now, he's wandering around saying that God's going to give him land. I don't know where it's going to be. But I'll tell you what, if there's a man amongst men, that's going to be my uncle Abram, right? And so this guy escapes, and Lot's like, look, go find my uncle Abram well how do I know I've met him he's a Hebrew the word is translated he's from beyond he's not from around here you may meet some Abrams on the way you may find one in the market you may find one out in the field but if he looks like he's from around here that's not him you ever been someplace and seen someone and you're like (laughs) they're not from around here right I had to go do some work up in Wisconsin one time. The only coat I had it back then this was was a denim jacket. That's the heaviest thing I had, right? And I flew up to Detroit, hopped on a little uh, a puddle hopper from, from Detroit Airport, uh, flew into uh, just north of Milwaukee, this little airport. This, and it was one of those small little planes where there's, you know, one seat, aisle, and another seat, right? It's just small little uh, puddle hopper. And this lady across the aisle looked at me and said, Son, where is your... This It was uh, February, of, right? <laughs> says, Son, where is your winter jacket? I said, Ma'am, this is my winter jacket. This is the heaviest thing I wore around here in Texas, right? So said, This is my winter jacket. It was a denim jacket. She goes, The first thing she said was, You're not from around here, are you? <laughs> it's more like, Oh, yeah, you're not from around here, huh? Yeah, right? It's more like that, right? And... uh I saw what she was talking about when I got off that plane, man. You know it's cold when your shoulders want to touch your ears immediately, right? Just, so that's, that's cold. But that was the telltale sign for this servant to find the right Abram. Is when you find him, he's not like us. He ain't from around here. He doesn't look like us. He doesn't talk like us. He doesn't even eat like us. He doesn't walk like us. Ain't nothing about him like us. He's from someplace else. He's peculiar. He's from beyond here. He's not like the folks in Sodom. That's how you know you got the right Abram. He's a Hebrew. He's a man from beyond. Isn't it interesting that the hope for Sodom, the hope for a people who are now captive, who had lived in a land of debauchery, who had lived without moral guidance, who's now snared, the hope that they had for rescue was with a man and a group of folks who weren't anything like them. Can I encourage you today, church, I don't know what it is about the modern day church, but we want so bad for people. Just like us. Somebody like us, (laughs) right? We're really nice people. Like us. You're not supposed to fit in. It doesn't mean that you don't love folk. It doesn't mean that you're not sweet to everybody you meet. It doesn't mean that you don't give. We got a lot of different neighbors in, in this community, in the greater community. And a lot of them don't match my lifestyle. And every one of them can come to me. i do whatever I could to help them and to love on them and to pray for them. But I don't fit in. I don't get invited to some of their gatherings because they know Dave ain't going to be about this. And that's all right. I don't take it personal. Jesus was rejected too. He didn't really fit in. Matter of fact, he stuck out so bad they killed him. And there may be for some folks that want to, <laughs> want to string you up too. It's okay. you know. Jesus even told them, hey, they hated me. They're going to hate you too. Don't worry about it. You're not supposed to stick in the hope of the world. If God's going to move through his people, the world is going to need somebody who ain't from around here. They're going to need someone who are spiritual Jews, as the Bible says. We are all spiritual Jews because we have by circumcision of the heart, he needs some spiritual Hebrews, some folks who are from beyond. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. Don't ever be afraid to hold to the standard of the word of God. To speak the truth in love. You can love folks and not have to weather yourself. You can be there. Matter of fact, folks, why would the world want to come to a church or reach out to a church group who's just as messed up as they are? Why would they come to to the church to to find freedom from depression if half the folks at the church are just as depressed as they are? Why would they come here if if folks are just as angry as they are? Or just as disturbed as they are? What the world is needing and ultimately what they're wanting when they find themselves in the trap of Satan is a folk that are not from around here. Some Hebrew, we got to be different. Anyone hearing me? Everyone still with me? Amen. Y'all thinking about those fajitas, aren't you? I know you are. Sign up, sign up for it. See, it's, I got I to I talk about it because that's my sponsorship for the sermon. I got to give it a little commercial every right now and then. The hope for the world is a church that emulates the kingdom of Jesus so much that we don't fit in. We have to eat different. The Hebrews had to eat different, Right? we got to eat different. We can't consume everything that the world puts out on the palate of our society. Just because this is what the world wants to serve up via media, via the Internet, via uh, uh, social pressure, doesn't mean we, have, we can eat it. Matter of fact, there were stipulations, man. These Hebrews, these people from beyond, they were, they were a bit different. They couldn't even eat. They couldn't eat, uh, let's see, they couldn't eat uh, uh, animals that didn't have the split hoof, right? They had to chew the cud. And, and they, had, they couldn't eat anything without scales, like when it came to fish. I feel horrible for them, Brother Mike, because they couldn't even have good old fried catfish, man. Them guys never, Abram never experienced fried catfish. So, man, no wonder we're a chosen generation. Because we get God and we get catfish. And bacon. Praise God. But, yeah, they couldn't, they could, they couldn't eat camels. Because camels didn't, they, camels chew the cud. But they don't have a split hoof. They couldn't eat pig. Because pigs, they have split hoofs; They don't chew the cud, right? Why? Because God, God was trying to teach them something. Anything that you put in you eventually becomes you. That's why we got to be very careful of what we listen to, what we watch, who we talk to, who we're hanging out with. Why? Because if we're constantly putting this stuff in us, it eventually becomes us, right? So so he's he's having them being very intentional about what they eat. What is it? What you know with, if someone to chews a cut, like cows, you ever you ever watch them? They'll sit there, eat a bunch of grass, go lay down, and they're just chewing, 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 because they got multiple stomachs, right? They got like what three stomachs, something like that? I think I think I'm working on that myself, right? <laughs> but, but but they're like chewing, 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 and then they burp it right back up, chew on it some more, chew on it some more, burp it right back up, chew, and they're getting, they're mining that that mouthful of grass for every ounce of mineral, every ounce of vitamin, every ounce of nutrient that it can give. Why? Because it's, it's called, you know, we call it chewing the cud. The actual term is ruminate, right? It's the, it's the same Latin root word where we get the word meditate. In other words, it's to think deeply on something, to chew on it and chew on it. You ever heard, it? God ever gave you a word and you just chew on it all week chewing on it all week, and you go and you study some more. That's why I love it when people contact me on Thursday about my sermon this past Sunday and say, hey, pastor, you were saying this. Explain this to me a little bit more. Hey, look, you were preaching that. Look what else I found. I get excited. Why? Because that means someone's been chewing the cud all week. That's what he wants his people to be about, it's people that will bring back up the word over and over and over. He talks about bringing up the word again, and, and, and your word, you're going to talk about it when you leave. You're going to talk about it when you lay down. You're going to, it's going to go with you. On, it's going to be frontlets on your, on your forehead. It's going to, in other words, he wants his word to continually be meditated and thought on. Why? Because if, you're, if that's what you're eating, it permeates every part of your, your life. You know, split hoof. Why would he want a split hoof? Because if you eat something, it becomes you. Well, he wanted someone, a camel. Camel's great in the desert. Camel's great on sand, right? They're actually pretty fast. But you get them in rocky terrain, they're horrible. They don't have a split hoof. They're not very good on rocky terrain. Now, a goat, a goat or a lamb, got a, got a split hoof. That, that hoof will spread out on those rocks. Stabilize. He wants his people to have a good foundation, be stable, solid people, not blown around, tossed around with every wind of doctrine. The things that you consume ought to give you some stability in your life. Scales. Well, he wants some people to be, finally get hardened to, to, to things, protective for things. Man, all of us, no matter what, if you're a believer or non-believer, it's, it, you're going to go through mess. But he wants you to be protected and weathered and just have some little bit of a rhino skin about you, you know? And so you become what you eat. Hebrews also beget Hebrews. The apostle Paul said, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. What he meant is he said, my mama was a Hebrew. My daddy was a Hebrew. My cousins are Hebrews. Man, trust me, I'm a Hebrew. That's why you need to have some unity in your home. Mamas and daddies, grandparents, walk with the Lord. Be spiritual Hebrews. Why? Because you're going to beget a Hebrew you want to raise up a hebrew you can't if if you're single if you're hanging out here and you're single and, and one day you you hope to get married you need to make sure you you marry a spiritual hebrew a fellow believer why because you need to produce a hebrew you can't you can't mate a german shepherd and a golden retriever and get a german shepherd you'll get a hybrid you'll get a mutt right So if if you want to have believing young people, if you want to have believing children, you better hook up with a believer. That's what I'm saying. Right? Matter of fact, and we'll we'll end on this. Everyone stand. That makes everyone feel much better. (laughs) Proverbs 620. I love this. My son, keep your father's commandments and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. Notice that. It said, my son, don't you need to keep your dad's commandments and don't forsake the law of your mom. Man, my, my parents spoke some things into me that to this day I remember. We were telling on Easter, we got together with my sister and, and some of the family, and we were telling some fun stories about my mom. My mom was a character. I wish she was still here because, man, I, I wish y'all could have the opportunity to meet Joyce Butler. And uh, actually, she is still kind of here because I'm telling you, my wife... I know my mom is laughing somewhere because God found me a woman who she will say things that I'm like, I have not heard anyone say that since Joyce Butler left this planet. And now here she is. She's haunting me through you. <laughs> so, so if you want to hang out with my mom, trust me, just hang out. Get my wife good and sarcastic and revved up. And she's going to, that's, that's Joyce Butler right there. But I wish you could have been, but, but because of it. With all the funny stories and all the characters, I, I told my wife, I said, man, but she, she was a big part of who I am today, right? And, and I love this. It says, bind them continually to your heart, the place where you have faith, where to believe in our heart. Tie them around your neck. What is it, what is it talking about? It's talking about ruminating, chewing that cud. You, look, don't, don't be afraid to keep teaching and preaching to your kids. You may not think they're listening to you, but they are. The Bible said, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is older, he won't depart. There may be some departing between the time of his childhood and the time that he's older, because we're all knuckleheads, right? <laughs> but, but at some point, it's going to come back up. Trust me. Sophie, uh, my daughter, wrote, she's a, in 11th grade, she had to write a paper. She wrote a paper recently and told me about it, got, got an A on it and everything. And they asked about a life lesson. She had to write about a life lesson that she learned, and so she wrote about a time that I sat down with her in fourth grade. She was struggling with something, and and she she wrote about it and and said, "Hey, my dad, when I was in fourth grade, taught me this, and it has stuck with me, and it has made sense, and it changed my life." And this and that. I didn't know she remembered. I didn't remember when she said that. I said that that was me. I remember. Yeah. That sounds like me, but but it turns out. It came back up. She chewed the cud. I was like, I got me a little Hebrew. She's not from around here. Look at that. She ain't like these other folk. The first time the word Hebrew is used, it was when nobody else could help. And all they knew is they needed to find a man who wasn't like Anyone around them? Don't go get anyone who's like us, because they ain't—they're gonna get captured too. But you go find you—go find my uncle. He ain't from around here, and he'll know what to do. If you go back and read the story, Abram—I would have been scared of Abram if I was any of the other kings, because Abram, just with his servants alone, had a militia that went in and whooped four kings. And set everybody free. In closing, I love this. When you roam, they will lead you. The words of your father and mother. When you sleep, they will keep you. My mom taught me about faith. And there's been a lot of nights I've slept. My whole world was falling apart. But why I slept good? Because I knew how to trust God. And I love this. When you awake, they will speak to you. My parents still speak to me. They've been gone. It's not because I'm having seances. I don't mean it that way. <laughs> but it's because what they put in my heart just the other week. Or I remember when I was a kid, I, I found a skateboard at Bradfield Park. I rode it home. My dad said, where'd you get that skateboard? I said, I found it. was up at the park. He goes, son, you can't just take a skateboard just because it's laying there. Nobody else was around. He said, yeah, but someone's probably going to come back and look for the skateboard. I had to ride that thing back up to Bradfield Park and then walk all the way back. It was dinner time. Man, my dinner was cold. But it taught me a lesson. And just the other week I went and bought, I was picking up groceries. We did for the for the staff, the pastoral staff, I did hibachi. So Kate, you ought to say amen to that. That was a good, that was good lunch. I did I did Dave bocce for the staff. And uh, my wife, when I do fried rice, so I mean but uh my wife loves so you ought to say amen to that sweetie you like that Friday but the, <laughs> I'm going somewhere I promise I'm going somewhere with this I promise see what I mean this is Joyce Butler right here right all right so my wife got me into it. like she likes cashews and pineapple in her fried rice man that's some good stuff actually I would never thought about putting pineapple in my fried rice Mike but man that's good so they, so I was at the grocery store. They had a pineapple on sale for a dollar fifty or something. A great, a fresh pineapple. And I was doing self-scan and trying to hurry. And I was heading out and I almost got all the way out to the car. And I realized I didn't scan that pineapple. And then, and on one hand for a split second, I was like, this is fifty. And before I could even get that thought out, I heard my dad say, Son, you can't just take a skateboard because it's there. And I remember it doesn't matter if it's just $1.50. I'm a spiritual Hebrew. I'm not from around here. And I went back all the way back inside. And employees are looking at me like, what are you doing back inside? I didn't scan this pineapple. They're looking at me, $1.50, charge on my car. But I had to do it. Why? Because my parents were Hebrews, and I'm a Hebrew, and I need my children to be Hebrews. I love everyone I meet, but I can't be like them. The hope of this world is in Jesus Christ and in his people, and he needs his people to not be of this world. Amen. Let's all pray. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord. Teach us to live in your kingdom. Teach us to be of this world, but not in the world, but not of this world. Teach us to be more like you, Lord. Teach us to walk in the grace and confidence that you walked in. Amen. If there's anyone under the sound of my voice, you've never asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life. I want to encourage you. In your heart, make a decision that you truly believe that God raised him from the dead. with your mouth you can even tell your neighbor you know what I believe he's Lord I'm giving you my life Jesus it's as simple as that I encourage you to do so today and if it's the first time you've done it I want to talk to you afterwards come come find me we're going to sing one more song and uh, if you need prayer for anything I'll be over in the corner I'd love, love to pray with any of you But like I always say, you can just grab one of your neighbors and have them pray for you. They're just as filled with the Spirit as I am. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together as a family.